Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Well, it's another edition of the State of Love and Trust. I am one of your hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside, as always, Paul Gilliari. Hello to all of you. Um, we are back again with another episode, and let's get some of the uh, logistics and some of the housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, if you haven't already, please get on the Twitter and the Instagram. You can find us there at uh, State of Love and Trust underscore pod. Uh, please get on your preferred. A method of podcast listening, be it that Apple or Spotify or Google or whatever. And carrier give pigeon. Us, yeah. And carrier pigeon. That'd be great. Yeah, well, that, whatever it takes, man. He drops off like a little USB drive to your house. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, uh, and then leave, you know, leave us a review. Five stars would be great. You can bitch about me all you want, but Paul's fantastic. So write a good thing about him and that'll be great. Uh, and if you want to subscribe and then Notice I went quiet there. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, by the way, if you subscribe and then unsubscribe and then back again, that helps numbers. I don't. I, I may, maybe algorithms aren't very smart and don't understand I don't what's know happening. How that stuff works, man. Just but we're just going to go with that. Just jump on the train with us if just you like what you on. hear. Join us. And it's an, it's a local, so you can hop off and hop back on again. You're still going to get to the destination. That's the best analogy you I can will give indeed. You. Yeah. So, anyways, now that's out of the way, let's get to the heat of the meat. We have two things beyond our usual live cut and. Uh, of the week and lyric of the week. We have two things we want to hit on. One is we want to react to the first live song, quote unquote, of 2020. And that is the all in Washington uh, COVID relief benefit concert that aired um, this past Wednesday on Amazon Prime. Uh, the boys played Dance of the Clairvoyance. We'll talk about that shortly. And then a little bit later on, we will do a new segment. It's a, it's a what if segment, but it's a new thing that we're going to be doing from time to time. And it's called, uh, what if we retract the album? So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let us dive into that first quote unquote live uh, song of 2020. Paul, let's get, let me get your thoughts out of the gate. Well, it's funny you're you're throwing quotation marks around this, Jason, because uh, it is technically live, but it's socially distanced live. And uh, essentially, it's the band playing the song together from their homes, which on one hand, I have to say, it's quite an impressive feat to coordinate that type of a performance from afar and play it in a way that is just not riddled with mistakes. And for all I know, there were mistakes and it, you, you know, they're just indecipherable to me. But I thought it was impressive just from a choreography standpoint, just from, from getting together and, and sequencing all these parts together. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how edited the entire thing was. I really don't. But for all intents and purposes, I thought, you know, in a nutshell, that first and foremost was pretty impressive. I also really enjoyed kind of seeing the band have some fun with this track from the the ambiance of it right you get this kind of like you know dingy nightclub uh look to it you know what i mean which kind of reflects what i think the the overall mood and tone of the song happens to be uh, i want to say they had like a or maybe it was eddie he had like lights and a fog machine and um 
you kind of had this cool environment going on there, which which I thought was was he had a lighter, he had a candle, he, he had a mask. He, he did, he <laughs> did, you know. So there there was a lot of that going on. But more importantly than that, you saw Stone playing bass. Yep. You saw Jeff playing guitar mm-hmm. and keyboards, and uh, you know Mike and Eddie and and Matt continued to to do their thing. But and just Josh that little offer. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that that little little switcheroo there, I thought was an interesting twist to the song. Um, for all you know as a live version of the song what it lacks for me is um it, it's just that, that it's not even the crowd necessarily it's just the big heaviness of it um you know you listen to various songs from pearl jam when they play them live and you'll never forget the first time that you hear a song played live you know what i mean whether it was from your first Pearl Jam show or was your last Pearl Jam show. But the reason I bring this up is because if you take a song like infallible off of lightning bolt, I enjoy that song and it has a unique sound on the album. But when I first heard it live, I mean, it just cuts, you know, you just feel it. You know what I mean? It's just welling in your chest of the bass and the heavy rhythm guitar. And I, I feel like this is the type of track dance of the clairvoyance that when you hear it live, it's going to create a very different atmospheric effect and it's going to resonate with you in a way that you just cannot achieve listening to the guys play on a laptop or on your TV. And so as much as I appreciated the sentiment behind it, and I, I thought their performance of it was, was very interesting and it was original and it was uh, uh, creative, you know, it was outside of the box thinking. I, I'm going, I, I can't qualify that as the first time I've heard them play it live. You know what I mean? I need to see it. I need to be there. I needed to feel it. I can't feel it through my computer speakers. So that, that's kind of my, my breakdown on that. Well, I'm not far off from you. Um, so the, the big things that kind of popped out, uh, I mean, initially was, hey, this sounds like a live version of the song. And therefore, I liked it more than the album cut because it, you know, again, for me, it wasn't so produced electronic Mm-hmm. which is I that's not really my bag. It felt right. more raw, more like a rock song. So I I liked that. Um I thought Eddie sounded very good. And like you said, the boys are having fun. You know, you got you got Eddie with all the props. You've got uh Mike with the glow in the dark face paint and guitar paint. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. I think I'm not sure, but I think Matt may have been trying to look bored because he was just like a robot. You know, uh, he had like that shoegaze thing going on, yeah. right? Where it's like, I'm here, but I'm, am I really here? Or I don't is get it a crack smile. It was hilarious. <laughs> I, even my wife goes, is he having fun? I go, I think that's just Matt doing Matt. I think that's just what that is. But then you've got, you know, Jeff's supersonic hat. I love that. You've got Eddie's upper left USA shirt. I think that's pretty cool. And then you have Ed's daughters dancing as the clairvoyance behind right, him. Yeah. And at the very end, Jill pops her head in, you know. Yeah, fun. It wasn't a real live song, but they were having fun. And you know what? You kind of need a little bit of that relief in this moment. And they, I haven't seen them personally have that much fun probably since the 09 Philly shows and they were getting dressed up for Halloween and having a ball and wearing Devo masks or uh, helmets and whatever. So I appreciated what they were trying to do there, but all it does is make me want to have live Pearl Jam. Yes, exactly. So it's bittersweet in that respect, but grateful. Happy, excited, uh, probably seen it three or four times just because it's the only thing live I can see right now. So 
I, I was into it. I appreciated it. What else is there to consume at this point? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's out of the way. Let's get to our, our big section here called What If? All right, so this week's uh, what if is going to be, like I mentioned before, what if we retrack the album? And this is so going to be a thing. Recurring that we segment here. Yeah, recurring segment, exactly. This was born from you, Paul. You you really have a strong opinion on the binaural record and asked me, well, what would happen if we retract it? Because I have my own ideas. And I go, huh, we should do that to every album. That would be amazing. So we're going to start here because there's a lot of meat on this bone even meat that was left off the bone, as it were. So I'll give you some quick facts, some state of the album type stuff to kind of get us our palate wetted for this. So it debuts at number two on Billboard 200, behind only Britney Spears's "Oops, I Did It Again." So about 226,000 copies in its first week. Metacritic score is about 69 out of 100. Uh, you've got uh, at the time the band was saying that they were not really interested in jumpy post-punk and somber meditations, tightly wound folk rock, and turbulent neo-psychedelic rockers that sound like they came out of a jam session, which I find interesting because that's what seven o'clock sounds like to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> now there was, as you pointed out to me, a an original track listing. They they had a whole slew of songs. They had them sketched out, mapped out in March of the of that year and then they went to Athens I'm sorry Atlanta with Brendan O'Brien to redo the, some of the mixing and they they realized they wanted to actually change the order and omit some of the songs so the the original track listing for binaural was breaker fall insignificance evacuation sad which was originally t- titled letter to the dead rival grievance light years of the girl thin air nothing as it seems fatal sleight of hand soon forget in the moonlight parting ways education so to me, it felt very gigaton-ish in the sequencing. Mm-hmm. I think there may have been too many songs. There's three more than six, what ended 16 up. there. 16, yeah. yeah. So it was 13. Um, there was a hidden track. Um, I'm sorry, Soon Forget was one of those songs that felt like a it could have been a hidden track and maybe or like a, maybe a bonus or a B-side. Maybe fans would have liked it a little bit more but it was included even on the final track listing, as we know. I thought it was weird that they didn't, they weren't going to end it with Parting Ways. That's a little bit of an allusion to my track listing, by the way. Uh, it seems a little bit lopsided, top-heavy in that original track listing. And it also feels like there's kind of three phases where you have up-tempo rockers, one through six, quieter, slower, atmospheric ones, seven to 11. And then you kind of, even more of the songs at the end that you can't really figure out where they're going to go, what they really fit with, kind of, end the album there. It was my original takeaway. But what really kind of set the mood here was what Jeff Ament said in 2012. He said, we look back and think we didn't put some of the best songs on it, adding, I think there are some beautiful things that came out of it, but we're never going to remember that record as one of the greats. And that tees you up, Paul, perfectly for why we're doing this. So explain to me your opening thoughts, and then we'll get into your track listing. Well, we're doing this because he's right. <laughs> because they did leave some of the best songs off of the album. Uh, you know, you look at this this original track listing, and we'll get into the sequencing in a minute here. But for now, let's just look at some of the songs that were left off. Okay, take a song like "Sad." So, "Sad" is arguably the, the best track from the entire recording session. 
to leave that off to me, it was I'm obviously the band had an, uh, an intention for leaving it off. It wasn't, it wasn't a sleight of hand, right? Mm. <laughs> it, uh, it was intended to be pulled off of the final track listing, I suppose, when the, the band finally released the album. But for the life of me, I cannot understand why. I really can't. Uh, it's, it's not a B-side. It's a fantastic song. It thematically, sonically, it fits with the rest of the album. It should have been there. And right there, you know, tracked at number four, it's three or four would have been perfect for it. No, no later than five. It's a strong, strong track. I want to say uh, the Sky Scrape had a, you know, they do that contest where you vote on the best song. Oh, best the March song. Madness, as it were? Yeah, yeah whatever it was, the, the, the March Madness type thing. And a few years ago, they did one and Sad won that contest. Amazing. I don't remember if it was just B-sides or if it was actual Pearl Jam songs across the board. But I remember Sad was, I, I, I mean, I remember this vividly that it either had made it to the finals or it actually won. And there's such sad irony in that, in that it's a song that was left off of the album and it shouldn't have been, it should have been there. I think education is another strong song. Very, very, it, it's a great song. It's stronger than your average B side. It should have been on the album as well. Um, I'm completely in lockstep with you that a track like soon forget would probably have been better served as a hidden track or as a B-side to something else. I, or I a fan club single. Or a fan club single, yeah. Like Not Eddie on the ukulele. Next episode. Mm, this is fascinating, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we ended up, this all kind of eventually led to a ukulele album. So I don't have a problem with Eddie saying, hey, you know what, I kind of want to showcase this thing I'm playing sure. around with on the album. There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, it felt, you know, you talk about songs that don't feel like they fit on an album. I don't know how in the heck you make the argument. Yeah, how that do you song make the argument anywhere. that sad doesn't fit, but soon forget does? Well, exactly. So it's That's just it, a weird it, thing. It, it it's it's unfortunate. So that right there, you, you can pull that one off. I mean, it's not that long, but still, I, I would I would pull it off. I think in the moonlight is a very underrated song. Uh, to me, it's as good as a song like Ghost off of Riot Act. Uh, it's as good as a few songs off a riot act, to be perfectly frank with you. Uh, you could make the argument that it's as strong of a track as Take the Long Way off of Gigaton. I don't think it's quite at that level, but it's still a pretty strong track, I think. you know. I think it, I think it um, has aged well because if you go back to Pearl Jam 20 in Wisconsin, when he plays it with, uh, um, when they play it with Josh Home, it's very good. It is, you know, and so that's a song that was left off. So if you take this album and you say, okay, you know what? We're going to put in, uh, in the moonlight, we're going to put in education. We're going to put in sad or even letter to the dead. If they wanted to keep the original title of the track, you're right. 16 songs is, is a little long on the tooth. So what has to come off? Well, first and foremost, soon forget does not need to be on the album. Uh, you probably won't agree with me on this, but I think Evacuation is one of the weakest songs they've done in the last 20 years. Uh, and I would absolutely pull that track off. I don't actually disagree with you. Okay. All right. So so now, and, we, we've, and, we're, now we're at 14 tracks. So now, when, you, 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 you could stop there. Are you going to give me your full mm -hmm. list now? Uh, the full list of the, how I would retrack it? Yes. Are you, are I you, would building, are you building to uh, it? Uh, no, I, I would still open with Break or Fall. I still think that sets the okay. tone for the album lyrically. And I think on a musical level, it absolutely is still a fantastic opener. Okay. Um, insignificance at two is fascinating to me. Uh, it, you know, it, it was later added, I think to number seven uh, in the, in the final cut when it, when the album finally comes out. Yes, it was. So I, I would probably go 
uh, in a different direction there. But I, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought that was an interesting placement. I would pull evacuation off immediately, probably put sad in its place. Uh, I like rival at four. Uh, grievance. Wait, so, oh, after so the, I'm sorry. So you're going breaker fall, insignificance, sad, and then. Well, okay. If I had to actually track it, I would probably start with breaker fall. I would then move into. Let's see. I think at I would most likely move into for the second track. I would probably go with probably insignificance. Actually, I like insignificance. So there. that's kind of that's the same as the original track listing. So as the original, yes. Right for the third track, I think I would go light years. Actually, okay. Uh, and then I would go sad. I would I would keep rival where it is after that, and then grievance. I like where where of the girl and thin air come after that. And then, you know, now that we're in this interesting place sonically, you get kind of nothing as it seems comes in. Mm-hmm. Fatal is just a really nice kind of bringing it back down tempo. And then sleight of hand comes in and it just really trips you out. So I would probably leave that where it is. Soon forgets gone. So I would come back in crunching within the moonlight. And then I would flip education with parting ways. I do think parting ways is an excellent closer. So you're, you're very, you're sticking very close to the original track listing more or less. Yeah. I, now God's dice is not here. Okay. So God's dice gets added to the sure. final version. And, and okay. I think I, I would go with that. I think I would add God's dice to it. So maybe you're looking at maybe 15 songs at that point in time. So what would come off if I had to choose, I would probably pull, uh, I, I would I could see the argument for pulling in the moonlight, but I would I would release it as a B side if nothing else. Mm. Uh, I would not have just kind of you know thrown it on on Lost Dogs. Personally, I would have pulled Grievance off. I think okay. Grievance is is not a very strong track. I think it would be fine as a B side, uh, and I would have replaced Grievance with God's Dog. I'm sorry, God's Dice in the same so, slot. In the same slot, most likely. Okay. I feel like in terms of you know the way that they hit, they're both kind of mid to up tempo songs. Uh, lyrically speaking, um, they're a little bit different. I feel like they're, they're two different sides of the table. Like there's, you know, grievance and then God's dice is kind of the flip side of where the, the, hmm. the, the, the hand of fate that's being dealt and things like that. But I will say that if you look at album sales for this album, every Pearl Jam album had reached platinum in the U S right. Okay. And then by neural hits and it's gold. There's a reason why that album it, it never sold, you know, and uh, Eddie Vedder had an interview a while back where he actually said, you know, he said, I, I don't know, you know, why nobody liked that record. Well, it's probably because you left some of the best tracks off of it, number one. Um, and number two, I think the way that it was promoted. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Which, which I'll let you get into in a second. But there's just it's the only album where I cannot listen to it. And all I ever think about is, is what could this album have been if they didn't leave some of the best material on the cutting room floor. And it's, it's a difficult album for me to listen to for that reason. I almost struggle to listen to the version that was released because it feels so unsatisfying. It's, it's almost like you see a film and then you see the director's cut and you think to yourself, I don't ever want to see this film another way again. And that's how I feel about binaural. And so I have, you know, on my iTunes, on the old iPod, the version of it that I think it should have been. I was just going to ask you that. It, do you have like basically the playlist version? that you? Yeah, to- I mean, I, I have the playlist version and I'd say I, I you know, th- that I struggle with as well because here I am, 
with an album and it's this bastardized version of it that I want to hear. But in reality, this is what the band gave me. So from time to time, I'll just re-listen to the album as it is. But, you know, you talk about getting all their stuff on vinyl, like you and I want to yeah. do. You have done. I'm still a couple albums behind. I would really struggle going out and buying that album on vinyl, knowing that this is the only way I'm ever going to listen to it on vinyl. And mm. it's not the way that I think it should have been released. And uh, quite frankly, according to some members of the band, I think probably multiple members of the band feel that that's not the way that it should have been released either. So I'd love to see a re-release of that album, you know, and just say, hey, you know what, we're going to kind of do this again. They did it with 10. Obviously, they remixed it. That's different. But there's nothing wrong with kind of doing a, you know, best of or special edition type thing of the album. And they're just kind of putting out the vision for it that maybe you would have preferred to see. And I think that that's okay. You know, so this album for me will always be one of their weakest, not because there are no good songs on it, because there are. It's just there's so many strong cuts that were not left on the album. And I'll never understand why they were left off. I think it was a mistake and it's a frustrating mistake. (laughs) I'm of I'm of two minds here. So for me, the the album has always resonated for me. I've always really enjoyed this album as it is. At, at the same time, I take your argument and buy into a lot of it. I completely agree that some of the best songs are not on it. I can't I can't understand why a couple of them are on there. We might disagree on what those couple are, but I'm with you in that when you brought this to my attention and you brought this idea, I said, you know what? That's a great idea because I think we're going to have a little different end game, but the reasons why we're getting there are similar. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of get into my mindset here. I I kind of thought of this album. You bring up vinyls. I thought of it as a vinyl in my in my re my retracking of it, side A and a side B. So I thought, well, how am I going to start each side of the record, and how does each song go into each one? I've got thirteen songs, so same number as the as the uh, as the proper record. I'm keeping. Breaker Fall and God's Dice is one and two. Breaker Fall to me is um, the bookend to the last part of the album, but kind of looked at from a different perspective. So I feel that that and Parting Ways work well as front and back. Oh, look at that. I've got Parting Ways at the end, so we'll get there. Mm. God's Dice, you know, the protagonist cannot believe in, you know, gods anymore. It's a kind of an allusion to fatal in my mind with the line, cannot spend it after I go. Uh, lyrically, that kind of, I, I see that um, congruence, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I think those two, I think God's Days and Breakfall have a good um, one-two punch from a musical standpoint. So I, I wanted to keep that. I'm going to go Insignificance next. I think you keep the energy up. I think the way that God's Dice ends going straight into Insignificance is bang, bang. I love it. Lyrically, it feels in the same world as God's Dice. It's out of my hands making mm-hmm. your ends meet. That lack of control right. Um, by whatever God, politicians to a degree, it, it, that 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 that's consistent between those two songs. Then I'm going with nothing as it seems. Okay, you got, you got Mike's guitar hit kind of comes perfectly out of insignificance, but you also kind of bring the vibe down a little bit. So I like that transition, both musically and lyrically. Again, and then so all of this, like the last three songs. It makes one question themselves, their confidence, and kind of everything around them, which leads me into education. Okay. From there, 
we go into Fatal. And this is the last track of side A, as it were. Fatal kind of ends asking, what's real? Am I okay? When will I find out the biggest answers? Probably when I'm dead. And so the way that song kind of ends, I feel is a great way to kind of put a little pin. You flip the record over and you come back with Of The Girl. Okay. So Other Girl leads off side B. I think it's a really cool transition on the a regular digital or CD version to go from Fatal to Of The Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think lyrically, it takes us on a different journey. From there, we go to In The Moonlight. Okay. It feels connected to Of The Girl. He's missed the girl from his past, and now he spends his days kind of searching for her in another person. He's the, he's the nightbird. He's following her, but the her is, you know, this, this idea that he has that she, that what she was and what he wishes her to be uh, from the past. From there, you kind of go into grievance. Now, the protagonist is hurt, angry, cannot get over. Um, he sees society failing him, doing him in or, or her in. And from there, rival is the result. Rival is the result of that. So that's next. From there, it naturally goes into sad. Okay, his mind comes back to the one he's missed. She's gone for good. Or maybe she always was and he just finally accepted it. It's kind of how I took that. Mm-hmm. From there, you go into the eulogy of, lights, of light years. And then from there, it's parting ways. It's, it's, it's more literal for my purposes, but he finally lets go. Or the, or the protagonist finally lets go. So that's, that's kind a of great where, track listing. Thank you. So I, I kind of thought of it in that sense and in the vinyl sense of it at the same time. So musically, does, it, does each song kind of fit front and back? And lyrically, my only counter to that. Yeah. And it would be a way to advocate for putting In the Moonlight and Sleight of Hand back into that track listing is what if it was three discs? Or, or I'm sorry, th- th- three records, right? I mean, I think Vitology, when they re-released it, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. that you had three albums, right? You had three. Well, I say that I don't mean literally on a, on a record because I don't know that this, these would fit in that way because there's like there's 13 songs and I've got the record splitting between six and seven. So it might not actually fit, but it felt like that half and that half worked. So it's yeah. kind of like, a, like a virtual record in a sense. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you that the intention behind that track listing is beautiful. I thought you did a fantastic job with that. I love the narrative that's being built out of that. Whether or not that's the narrative the band wanted the album to convey or not, we'll never know. Well, that's the trick. Exactly. But yeah. I will say that I mean that would be a really strong way to to uh, to track the album and then to release it as such. I think that this is the type of an album where you know what they left off to me really compromises what stories being told you know and so we end up with a situation where you have an album that just feels incomplete and it leaves listeners wondering what else was out there you know what i mean i feel that way in some respects about gigaton i don't know if that's more because i had heard and read that there was a you know and stones come out and and actually said this that there actually is a lot more out there and so I can't help but wonder. Your mind wanders, especially exactly. being being you know locked down without live shows. Your mind wanders. Well, what else could there possibly be? I need more. I need more Pearl Jam for sure. Exactly. And, you know, we're in this state right now, so you, naturally your mind wanders to that point. 
but would it be the same? We're, you know, we're actually, we don't know what those other, other songs are. They could be garbage for all we know, but we know what the songs are on binaural and they're not garbage. We do. Exactly. So all in all, I think this album would be far more superior. It would probably be platinum, to be honest with you, if they had left on some of the better tracks that they pulled out. And I just think both narratively in terms of, you know, what's being communicated by the band lyrically and sonically, all that would come together in a crisper, more cohesive way if they had not left off some of these fantastic songs. I have two final points. One is that we agreed that Soon Forget and Evacuation are not on it. This is true. Okay. I also left off Thin Air, and I, and I love Thin Air. That I can't do, and I don't know. I know. Uh, I know. It just didn't work for my narrative. Explain this to me. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't work for the narrative. And I love the song to death. I really, really do. Um, it just didn't – I couldn't figure out a way to make it work, and I didn't want to shoehorn and make it like some obese record, you know? Yeah. So well, I, I guess it's a strong choice. B-side for you then. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And the other, other note is, uh, as far as I have researched, the album is about 100,000 copies away from becoming platinum. So there's still a chance. There's still- <laughs> people just have to go back and buy, buy records again. And I, I guess, guess so. I mean, eh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. There's always a chance. We'll yeah. be like 75. It went platinum. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> all right. I think we've exhausted that. I think we're happy oh, yeah. with that. And we're going to do more of these. I think that's probably the easiest one for us to do, but it's going to be fun to be to have the challenge of 10 or Vitalogy or whatever, where there's, where there's maybe less B-sides to choose from or whatever, or we're already happy with the, with the track listing as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the Lyric of the Week. All right, this week's Lyric of the Week comes from, hey, Binaural, how about that? And it comes from Rival. So this one's tough. Um, it's really hard to, you know, read these lyrics and you really have to choose whether or not you want to take a very personal path with this and you want to relate these lyrics to a conflict that you are having with somebody else, whether it's a family member or a spouse or a competitor of any kind, um, an enemy, if, 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 I, if, if, you can, if you want to go that route, or if you want to politicize it and the it's hard not to read the lyrics and feel that it's not political, but at the same time, so much of the album is very intimate and personal that I'm inclined to say that it's a more satisfying experience to interpret these lyrics on a more personal level, you know, and, and just kind of search the intimacy of them and find the conflict in that. So when you read these lyrics and you hear them being sung by Eddie, it's, it, it's a gauntlet being thrown down. You know, it's a line in the sand and it says, you know, 
you, it's almost like saying you do a really good job of spinning the yarn that you want people who buy your shit to believe basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna come my way, you're going to have to come with both barrels loaded at this point, because I'm, I see right through that. You know what I mean? And he says, as we release this unspeakable toll, and it's this idea that it's, when we go at it, the, the damage that's created from this conflict is unspeakable. And if you've ever been in kind of a knocked out, drag out fight with somebody you love or care about, or even somebody you don't love and care about, it stays with you. You know, it yeah. stays with you for, for hours, days, weeks, even years. And that unspeakable toll, I think, is, is truly captured in the song in the sense that when, when you have a rival of any kind, it just, it never leaves you. And you look at the great rivalries in the history of sports, uh, in the history of anything, quite frankly, but especially in the history of sports, and you'll see that the, some of these competitors, they're linked in, you know, intrinsically and inexplicably for the rest of their lives. You know, and, and it's the story of that rivalry ends up defining who they were as people. And so it begs the question, you know, who is your rival? When you listen to the song, it sh- you should ask yourself, who is your rival? And what unspeakable toll is being exacted because of that rivalry? Hmm. And do the ends justify the means? That's a perfect segue, actually. Um, I, I had read that Stone wrote this because he wrote the lyrics and he wrote the music about Columbine. So mm-hmm. there, as far, if that's true, then it has a very literal, and I guess you could say political um, theme to it. So I think it's very obvious to think of it in that literal revenge, antagonizing, confrontational kind of way. But like you said, it can be taken a more personal way. So Unfortunately, you can apply this song's message, its vitriol, to many issues today, right? Mm -hmm. Metaphorically, too many people come out guns blazing in an argument and a debate, just as you said. So if you want to take it the political route, you could say that it seems to be that our leader, leaders, leader, acts that way. His disciples our guys and gals with tons of flaws, but he's going to fire at you like he thinks they would, that mm-hmm. he being the, uh, the author here, the protagonist. And it's, it's pretty sad, um, a pretty sad song, obviously. And the music is, it, well, it's aggressive and sad, but the aggressiveness makes you think that the lyrics, um, I'm sorry, it would make you think that the music would be more intense than it is. The lyrics suggest something greater and in, 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 from the music, but it's while it's it's softer, it's slow. It's not softer, but it's slower, and it almost makes the lyrics creepier and darker because it isn't the obvious aggressive type music that you might expect from the lyrics. So, your your point about ends justifying the means, man, do they? That's that's the question. And right. is it is it worth the collateral damage? Is it is it worth the the damage that you are inflicting to make your point? And is it is there a better route that you that that author that protagonist could have gone down? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I mean that's the song. I think what we're doing a lot of times with these lyrics of the week is we're picking the the lyric from the song that kind of best represents what the song is about. 
oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And this one kind of nails it. And I, I it really does. I think we've kind of found that out. And it's, it's, I, I wish that a song that was written about gun violence, presumably gun violence 21 years ago, it's not fun that that is still a relevant theme now, even outside of gun violence. Just the fact of this confrontation is, it's not healthy. No, it's not. <laughs> to say the least. All right, well, that's our Lyric of the Week, and that means we're going to move on to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, Paul, so live cut of the week. It's going to be Rival. Where are we going with this one? There's a lot of places to go. Uh, I would say arguably... Uh, my favorite version of the song doesn't actually come from this tour. It's a conversation we actually had pre-show. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it actually comes from, uh, I think it's Yakamoto, Japan on March Yokohama, 4th. Yokohama. Yoko Yokohama. Thank you. Yokohama. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Japan, March 1st, 2003. That is the Riot Act tour, though. Check that one out, too, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you, yeah, please. It's Sonic. I mean, it's just musically speaking, it's outstanding. The, the, the Japan shows are some of the best sounding recordings you'll yeah. ever hear uh, from, from Pearl Jam. And uh, a complete side note on that. Apparently, uh, they, uh, they got mostly like business men in suits and bureaucrats at those shows. And so they kind of went at it more like a sound check. And then they just, when they rocked, they rocked hard. You know, they just were like, all right, it, it reminds me, I think it was an MTV performance where they're, they play Not For You and it was kind of a big oh, yeah. the music and it was that uh, private MTV event. Isn't that what it was? Um, it, the whole shows feel like that. But, I mean, every time they rock out, it's just, it's blistering that way. And so I think it's one, one of their best versions. But in sticking with the... The rules. Uh, the rules, right? I, I've always said they are self imposed. I've always said that you should try and find the best version of that song from the tour of the album in which it comes. And Pink Pop 2000, I think it's an iconic show. Uh, the, the band has a legacy with Pink Pop going all the way back to the early 90s. And sadly, I want to say it was. I forget the actual date of, of Ross Guild, but it was at the end of the end of June. It, at the end of this year, two weeks later, yeah. two weeks later. Exactly. So here they are, you know, playing this song and playing the show. And it's just this eerie precursor to the tragedy that, that will, will soon ensue. But when you look at this performance here at, at pink pop, you, you always look at Pearl Jam at pink pop. And then and what was that show like? And, you know, you're going to find classic. it on YouTube. You know, so <laughs> they're good. always classics. And YouTube, so, both of these, 92 and 2000, tremendous. Exactly. And so you just bookend those two things and say, okay, band before, band now. And, you know, very much I think this show is still representative of, of in some ways, who the band still is. Uh, in a lot of ways, they're very, vastly different in the way mm. they've grown. But that being said, this particular version, I think it, it's the intro that you mentioned that you feel really makes it. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to let you kind of kind of carry on with that. It's this interesting, I don't want to call it a diatribe, but some of the stuff that Eddie says there, I think is really interesting. And the crowd's reaction really sets up the, the theme of the song beautifully, I think. Well, that's the thing. The, 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 the crowd's reaction kind of makes it, um, at the end of Hail, Hail, he has like a 30-second little preamble to playing Rival. Um, 
Now, the thing with this song, it was the first time it was played. Ever. It is, I know. It played 22 times. This is the first time. Ed was in a feisty mood, let's say. And I think playing for foreign audiences when talking about America's gun culture is always very interesting to see how they react. Right. So you'll get that in this. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to I'm gonna slap the end of uh, Hail Hail on here so that you hear that before they dive into Rival. And uh, so here it is, June 12th. 2000, Landgraf, Netherlands, Pink Pop. Um, it's also, uh, it's nice to have been out of America for the last couple weeks, and it's not that, uh, uh, well, I was going to introduce the next two songs, because in America, uh, what we do for fun, because uh, we're kind of an advanced uh, culture. And so uh, we have some... Uh, really kind of futuristic ways of, of handling our overpopulation problem and, and, and that is that we give each other guns and we all kill one another because it's fucking fun <laughs> anyways uh, here's a couple songs about uh, Americans killing one another first one's called Rival
Pearl Jam at Pink Pop, Jason. It really doesn't get much better than that. They do a killer version of the song. Uh, it's charged. Eddie is, is like you said, he's very feisty. The intro into the song kind of sets up lyrically and thematically a lot of some of the, the sentiments that you and I were discussing a little earlier here in the episode. It's a, it's a great version. It, it, you can easily make the argument that the first time they ever played it was perhaps the best version of it that they ever played as well. It was all downhill after that. Uh, until March 1st, 2003. <laughs> Let's listen to that one, gang. Yeah, exactly. You know what I love? I love the woohoo after unspeakable toll. I mean, if that doesn't, if that, if that isn't feisty and like, you know, kind of poking for a fight, you know, yep. virtually yep. speaking, I don't know what does. And they played Jeremy right after. So he says, you know, these next two songs no are No coincidence guns. there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I urge you to go on YouTube and, and, and find that show. It's in full. It's, it's TV quality, pro, pro soundboard audio, the whole nine. Mm. So please check that out. Um, great. This is a really fun episode. And um, yeah, we've got, uh, we got some fan club singles to talk about next week. We do. Ooh. We do. Absolutely do. I would love to hear from, from some of the folks listening, though, their thoughts on retracking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because either either folks think that I'm nuts, which in in my heart I don't. <laughs> I'm nuts. I, don't, I don't think I'm nuts I, for I this. How, how do you listen to a song like Sad and say, yeah, nah, let's just leave that one off? Lunacy. <laughs> it's ridiculous, ridiculous. So yeah, if you want to chime in on our Twitter or our Instagram, that is uh, at State of Love and Trust underscore Pod. Remember, let us know how you feel. Please let us know how you feel. Uh, remember, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, wherever you get these things, Apple or Spotify or what have you. Leave us a review. Five stars would be nice. Again, you don't have to compliment me because I'm kind of an idiot, but Paul's great. So always give him a five star. I thought you were a shining light tonight, Jason. Oh, th- <laughs> stop it. Come on. Let's stop it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, glad to have you here and hope to have you next week. And uh, until then, you're listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.